0: And Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Some of you may remember that a few weeks ago I traveled to Florida for a retreat. And on the eve of my departure, my 12-year-old daughter asked me if I like Florida And I replied, well, to be honest, I'm not crazy about Florida. I've always thought of Florida as a giant, muggy sandbar. To which she then asked, so is Florida kind of like an off-brand version of California? (laughs) And I thought about it for a moment, and I said, yeah, yeah, I think it kind of is, actually. That's a good point. For some reason, um, she has been thinking of things in terms of off-brands lately. That's become a buzzword in our home. I'm not sure why. Maybe because our house is filled with a bunch of off-brands of things. I don't know. Some people uh, may actually think of today's gospel reading from St. Luke as an off-brand version of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, In Matthew chapters 5 through 7, we find... Perhaps our Lord's most famous sermon, which is commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount. But today in St. Luke's Gospel, we have one that's kind of similar, but not quite, called the Sermon on the Plain. The content of these two sermons is close enough to make you wonder if Jesus didn't do one of those dust off the old sermon because I'm short on time things uh, when he was doing his preaching. There are different theories as to whether or not this is the same sermon that is presented to us by two different writers, Matthew or Luke, or whether or not these were actually two different sermons our Lord gave that had similar content. I prefer uh, the latter of these two choices for what it's worth. Uh, The sermons appear at different points in our Lord's ministry. They take place. Uh, in different venues, one's on a mount, one's on a plane, and I could easily see him working through similar material at different times and places to different audiences. But whatever the case may be, the content of both the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain is equally shocking. The Sermon on the Plain from St. Luke's Gospel today it begins with four blessings which are quickly followed by and actually complemented by four woes. So the themes connect between the first four and the second four. If you do a little bit of copy pasting of them, it would read like this. Blessed are the poor, woe to you that are rich. Blessed are you that hunger now, woe to you that are full now. Blessed are you that weep now, woe to you that laugh now. Blessed are you when men hate you, woe to you when all men speak well of you. This teaching is as absurd today as it would have sounded 2,000 years ago. Why? everything that our culture our world encourages us to aspire to wealth and abundance of food and drink laughter and good times being popular or well known or well liked or even famous to all of these things our lord says woe that greek word is actually an exclamation of grief like alas woe You don't hear people saying whoa uh, in 2019 but a a modern day translation might be like dude you know like not good and then everything that the world is working overdrive to eradicate poverty hunger suffering I might say bullying and harassing and hateful speech not being liked To all of these things, our Lord says, blessed are you who experience these things. The 19th century Anglican Bishop J.C. Ryle writes, riches and fullness and merriment and popularity are precisely the things which men are always struggling to attain. It's to these things our Lord says, woe. Poverty and hunger and sorrow and persecution are the very things which man labors to avoid. And these are the things that Jesus says, blessed are those. Which makes this a seriously backwards, messed up sermon from a worldly perspective. It's either totally wrong or some kind of edgy, gallows humor. But to understand this as good news from a good God takes some serious pondering. And in truth, we cannot make sense of this teaching through the lens of the world. The Sermon on the Plain is so-called because St. Luke tells us that Jesus came down with his disciples to a level place, a plain, some translations read. I sometimes think of this title as a double entendre. That this sermon only makes sense when we consider that it comes to us from a different plane, that is, another dimension, the spiritual dimension. The word of God was made flesh and descended to earth and dwells among us. He has, in a manner of speaking, come down to us, as St. Luke says, in order to raise us up to be with him. He has come down and inhabits our earthly plane, our worldly dimension, and he speaks into it this truth that comes from above, from a higher plane. And this truth, this teaching only makes sense when viewed through the lens of this higher plane. What then does it mean? Well, it is tempting from our earthly vantage point, our earthly plane, to take our Lord's words, and simply overlay them onto a snapshot of the world's condition, and then size up one's fate accordingly. So like, are you poor? Okay, you're blessed. Are you rich? Okay, woe to you. But the teaching is not that simple. In fact, the teaching is not that. If it were, now try to follow me here, then all of our efforts at alleviating poverty And hunger and suffering could be construed as sadistic attempts at arresting people from their current state of blessing, poverty, hunger, and suffering, and then casting them into some state of woe uh, with wealth and comfort and joy. Or conversely, uh, we would be working so hard to uh, create more poverty and more hunger and more suffering because. That's how people are blessed. No, this is not the case, and it's absurd to think so. Neither is it the case that simply being poor, the state of poverty, is somehow a blessing, or that simply having wealth is somehow a curse. Writing in the fourth century, St. Ambrose, the bishop of Milan, writes, not all the poor are blessed, for poverty is neutral, he says. The poor can be either good or evil. Could say the same for the wealthy. For what good does it do me to lack worldly goods? He says, unless I am also meek and gentle. And then he goes on to speak of the wealthy. He says, Jesus condemns not those who have riches, but those who do not know how to use them. So the rich person is the more guilty who does not give thanks to God for what he has received but vainly hides wealth given for the common use and conceals it in buried treasure. The offense consists, St. Ambrose says, not in the wealth, but in the attitude. And here we begin to see the meaning from the spiritual plane begin to emerge through St. Ambrose's words. It is not these states of being on earth that are somehow in and of themselves either a blessing or a curse. It is seeing any state of being on earth and only on earth as an end in itself. Because when we do this, we lose the eternal perspective. You'll notice that both in the blessings and in the woes, our Lord is contrasting that which is now, blessed are those who are poor now, with that which is to come. And one of the great temptations of the devil is to deceive us into thinking that that which is now, this world, is all that there is. And in that temptation, it goes like this, there there is nothing else, there is nothing beyond, there is no God, there is no heaven, there is no spiritual plane, there is no Holy Spirit inhabiting us, there is no future promise of resurrection or restoration or redemption. So follow then the logic of the temptation So then if earth is all that there is, well, then we feel compelled to somehow create our own versions of these things of restoration and redemption and of heaven out of those things that we see before our eyes. And in so doing, we completely lose sight of the gift of salvation that all the while lies right before us in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ. Contrast that, on the other hand, if the kingdom of God is at hand and has broken into this plane in the person of our Lord Jesus Christ, and if his promises are true and if his love is real, well, then we can be sure, as he teaches, that the way of the cross lies before us in this life. But we can also be sure that there is life beyond the cross. As St. Paul reminds us, we do not lose heart, though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed every day. For this slight momentary affliction, that phrase St. Paul uses to refer to life on earth, this slight momentary affliction, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. The slight momentary affliction is life in this plane. The eternal weight of glory is life in the spiritual plane. Because, he says, we look not to the things that are seen, that's the earthly plane, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, they go away. But the things that are unseen are eternal. Again, Bishop Ryle writes, we must not for a moment suppose that the mere fact of being poor or hungry or sorrowful or hated will entitle anyone to lay claim to an interest in Christ's blessing. The poverty here spoken of, he says, is poverty accompanied by grace. The want is a want that is entailed by faithful adherence to Jesus. The afflictions are the afflictions of the gospel. The persecution is persecution for the son of man's sake. And of the woes, he also clarifies. Who are those to whom the Lord says woe? Those who refuse to seek treasure in heaven. Why? Because they love the good things of this world better they are those who prefer the joys and so-called happiness of this world to joy and peace in believing and will not risk the loss of the one, the things of this world, in order to gain the other. Who are they? They are those who love the praise of men, he says, more than the praise of God. We might be able to summarize the Sermon on the Plain, simply by saying, blessed are those who put their faith and their hope and their trust and their love in God. Woe to those who put their faith and their trust and their hope and their love in themselves and in others and in the things of this world. The Sermon on the Plain is divine wisdom invading into this realm from the heavens. These are words that lead us to everlasting life. It is the wisdom of the world that is in truth the off-brand, and it is off. May God give us grace to seek his truth and see the world through the lens of this spiritual dimension and never mistake the world's wisdom for the real thing. In the name of the living and true God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.